proudest day and the proudest time and the seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Crunching gears. Let's talk rallying. So I'd like to welcome along Adam Hall. Adam from Rally Insight. Adam, you're very welcome along. Thanks, Kevin. It's always good to talk rallying. Yeah, and it's hard to believe we're on to episode 10 of this roller coaster. <laughs> I know. So uh, the year's flying by. That's for sure. That is for sure. And this episode, we catch up with Andy Walsh as he climbed uh, Crook Patrick at the weekend. We also uh, look back at Burr Stages at the weekend also, and then we'll preview, do a quick preview on the Carrick and Shure forestry. So without further ado, we'll go over and get Andy's views. And then first of all, I'll start it off by asking him, what made him decide to want to climb Crook Patrick on Saturday? Um, yeah, I suppose the uh, thought process behind that, I probably, to give you a kind of background on that, I'm going to take you back uh, about two years to a, a world pre-COVID, if we can imagine that. I suppose it was a time when uh, People people refer to people refer to Corona as something you got in a bottle and you put a size of lime in it. Um, at the start of 2020, we were Kelly and I we were getting ready for another season at Facebook Live and and run up to that the first event it was Galway and and the run up to that I was starting to have a couple of, a couple of weird things happen to my body where I suppose things like my left eye I it, it just started to close kind of randomly by itself and a bit of a twitch and I had a weird kind of numbing sensation down down the left side of my face. It's kind of like if you when, when you, kind of like when you went to the dentist and you got an anesthetic um and a few other things as well like my my right leg um it had been at me you know that expression at, at me but uh i kind of put it down to having hurt my back before that um but i suppose i went up to galway um galway i found tricky because i was having trouble walking uh, you know and um and after galway then as well and went up to mayo um when i was driving things like I was getting my braking sensation when I was braking in the car I was getting the brake sensation a bit kind of wrong and I was I, I felt that I was over braking and uh, I found it kind of weird but I again I put it down to having to having a bad back and a trapped nerve or something and it was it was affecting it was affecting my leg I suppose then when it really kind of really jumped at me was on Mayo, at Mayo stages um if people remember we had we had driver's briefing in the in the TF in Casabar. And when you leave the TF, there's a kind of an incline up just up the road. And I was walking up there, I was finding it really hard to actually lift my to actually lift my leg, to lift my right foot. It was almost dragging on the ground. And I suppose I found my own stages that year a really tough event on me, kind of body-wise, like I was I was really kind of struggling. And after Mayo, of course, attention turned to Cork and we were getting ready, to, we were getting ready to go to West Cork. But I made a decision to uh, ring an osteopath on just during the week so we could get an appointment to kind of work on me to sort out my back for, for the trip to Cork. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, I got an appointment with the osteopath on the Wednesday before Cork. And um, I went in and she asked, me to, she asked me a few questions and she kind of kind of worked, you know, she, actually, but she didn't work on me. She done a few kind of exercises and a bit of pressing and pushing and stuff. And she said then that she was actually reluctant to work on me because I had no pain. And I was kind of like, well, what do we do now? Of course, I was fixed on, I had a long trip to Cork and I wanted, mm-hmm. wanted to work. But um, she recommended I go for an MRI. Um, so I left there and I came out of the car. And of course, I rang my wife because that's what you do. And I was giving out about, I was giving out the also, giving out about the osteopath that she didn't work on me. And I have this long trip to Cork. So I said, listen, I said, she recommends that I get an, an, an MRI. So I talked to my wife anyway. And she said that, because of health insurance that I should ring, ring like the Gower Clinic. So I rang Gower Clinic and I was told to come up next day, which was uh, 
Thursday, the 12th of March, that famous Thursday that I'll get to in, in, in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So I went up next day to Galway Clinic. I went in, I had an MRI, and um, I was called in afterwards. And a doctor uh, basically, basically to be a, after we have a talk, Mr. Walsh, uh, something has showed up in your, in your scan. I'm like, how do you mean something showed up in your scan? So um, he basically said, um, we, need to, we need to admit you because we have to do more tests. Um, of course, I'm kind of freaking out here a little bit. There's one side of me going, I got to go to Cork in two or three days' time. How do, how do you mean I need to go to the hospital? So uh, I'm out in the waiting room and uh, basically I, I'm just waiting for a bed. And I remember looking up at the television and Leo comes on television and he addresses the nation. I suppose it's that kind of it, it's that uh, that famous line that we need to. Uh, it was it was live from Washington, and it was uh, it was good morning. I need to speak to you about coronavirus and COVID. Mm-hmm. I suppose uh, that was kind of all I remember because the rest kind of tuned out because I was there kind of waiting for a bed, being admitted to the hospital and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, to to, to cut long story short, they called me in and uh, they said I'm having another MRI in that. I'm having another scan of the evening on my brain that the one this morning uh, had showed up lesions on my spine and asked me what's, what I, was I familiar with muscle sclerosis? And I was like uh, no, like I, I basically knew, I knew nothing about it um, so um, yeah, so look it's long story short, I was in hospital uh, they put me on a course I, I, of IV steroids, um, I was in there a week, I, you know I suppose that evening, as it, Leo had shut down the country, uh, mm-hmm. I was worried about West Cork. That was taken off the agenda. Um, I was in the hospital next few days. I had lumbar puncture. I had a few more tests. I had loads of stuff. Um, I came home from the hospital the day after Paddy's Day. And um, I came home to a world that was very, very different to the world that I had that I had been, that, that was there before I went into hospital, yes. both outside and both inside, because mm-hmm. everyone was in lockdown. And I came home with a diagnosis of muscle cirrhosis, and I was like, "What's going on here? Like, you know, what, what's what's this going to mean to me? Like, how's my life going to change?" And uh, over the next few weeks, things things kind of went fairly bad. Like, I was having a lot of problems. Like, uh, I was having I was had a lot of sensations. Like, uh, when I was in bed at night, uh, like you know the feeling when when a fly crawls on your skin. Um, well, imagine multiplying that by about a hundred, and that was that was across my chest, and I wasn't able to sleep because I was having these mad sensations, all these kind of tingly kind of, you know, stuff. Um, I remember burning my mouth when I was eating food because I couldn't tell if it, if it was hot or cold. I couldn't laugh the words, and my mouth would kind of blister. I'm like Jesus, you know, it was just the weirdest thing. Um, but yeah, I suppose it, it got really bad then a few weeks later that I went to get out of bed one morning and. My right leg, it was like, if you know if you have a dead leg or if your leg's asleep, well, I went to get up out of bed and I fell because my I couldn't stand up, basically. I, I had no power down the whole right side of my body. Um, So that was a bit mad because suddenly I was like, you know, this, what's going on here? Like, so with the whole COVID thing, um, you know, I couldn't go and see the doctor or couldn't go and see my consultant. So I was, I remember having having a phone call and with my consultant and it, it it turned to you know he was basically like he was talking about wheelchair use and stuff and how's my house kitted out for you know have a have a ramp to door and shower downstairs and I'm there kind of going like I I'm not ready for this like um but yeah look over over the next few weeks and you know I'll condense the whole lot down over, over the next few weeks I I was in a mess um I was in the room I was looking on on Google for for people at MS and uh, trying to find uh, trying to find a good story and trying yeah. to find positive stuff, but I couldn't find positive. It was all very negative stuff. Like, and you know, that was uh, that was kind of surreal. It, it was mm. weird. Like, and um, so I had a situation there that where I couldn't even move around the house fully. Like, you know, um, I suppose luckily what kind of made things a little bit easier. I suppose if you can say it made things easier is that everyone was in lockdown and there was no rallies, there was no work. Everything was everything was closed everything down. Was like every, every everything was stopped. Um, so yeah, um, so I went through a situation where yeah, I, I you know I, I was looking for information, quite good information. I remember reading, listening to loads of podcasts, doing loads of reading and stuff, and um, I remember things like um, they were saying 
to try and improve if, if you're physically you know, try to improve your try to improve your fitness uh good for people had a mess and i'm there like i couldn't even walk fully like you know i remember what was it like a, a turning point for me i bought a turbo trainer from my bike because i couldn't cycle but i needed to do something uh so i remember like, there was nothing going on so i was up on my bike and i was trying to cycle and if you ever, I actually, I actually, I actually fell off a bike on a turbo trainer, like, you know, kind of how mad is that, like, a stationary bike, and I wasn't able to get up on it at the start. But, um, yeah, o- over time then, I, you know, I tried to work on my, tried to work on my strength. Uh, I got a row machine. I was, I was just kind of doing stuff that I wasn't able to walk, so I tried to improve my, my, mm. my fitness, fitness in other ways and stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, over the next while, as I said, I couldn't couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't see a consultant, mm-hmm. but I tried to change things like my diet, my exercise, my positive mental attitude, or, or, or stuff like you know. Um, look, at, I, I fast forward again because I because I, I could talk for a long while on it. But um, I suppose what really really changed me was um, was I actually started treatment then for multiple sclerosis. It was in September, so I'm gone forward a mm-hmm. gone forward a good few months. So I, I started in. Um, I actually started um, infusions of a drug called of a drug called Tysebri in September 2020, and um, yeah, I, I had improved a little bit before that. Like I had, I had got my walk back, but I wasn't great. Like I, I was by no means able to get around the place or do stuff. I, I, I gone back driving, just driving around town to see if I could actually drive and stuff. Like mm-hmm. you know, but once I got back on that drug, uh, once I got on that inf- the infusions of Tysebri, um, which I have every four weeks, that that basically changed, that kind of changed my life. Uh, so I suppose to get back to your question about Charlie, I'd always been, I'd always been a fan of Charlie and uh, I seen, I seen what he set out to achieve. And I was thinking that I want to do something kind of like, I want to do something like that. As in, Crowpatrick is actually only, it's less than an hour from my house. Mm-hmm. And I want to climb with Charlie to, kind of, to support him and to, to set myself a challenge to see where I had come in two years. And of course, you know, I'd lot of people in my mind. You would heard Charlie, but with the whole, with the whole you're on, I, different name, different people in my mind. Like, of course, Rory Gallagher, we all know from the rally. And uh, I had a good friend, uh, Colin Brewer, who had actually moved to the area a couple of years before that to enjoy enjoy his retirement. Now, Colin Brewer is a name. It's an amazing name. He he's an amazing rallying career back in the seventies and eighties, and he actually came to Ban Robe to actually retire. He was in his seventies. And I just got to know him totally random. I met him one day. Basically, his 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 partner's partner's daughter had a nursing home just just across from where I worked. And I guess I, I actually met him one day outside and I was chatting with him. Uh, but it turns out he, he as I said he's an amazing rally career back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I remember one of the stories that he told me was about how he introduced a young lad to motorsport uh, that he brought navigating. And the only reason he brought him navigating is because he had to have two people in the car with him. But this young lad turned out to be Dave Richards of Broadway fame, like so. Anyway, that's just one story. If you actually Google Connor, if you actually Google Connor uh, Brewer, he, his his uh, his right name was actually was actually Mad Jan Brewer. Uh-huh. So there's a whole there's a there's a whole uh, story. By the way, yes. uh, Colin, unfortunately, yeah, he, he he was diagnosed with um he was diagnosed with uh I'm going motor neuron disease, and yeah, in he actually succumbed to it in uh, 2012, about the same year as Rory. Yes. Um. So yeah, that, that was kind of the reason. It's a long, a long answer to the question, but that was the reason yeah. why I got involved with the climate, Charlie. Yeah, and like you know, you know, as I said, it captured the you know the the public's imagination and in a way we've never seen before. Like so, you know, what was your? Had you ever climbed Crook Patrick? And you know, previous to this, or what was your expectations? You know, on that Saturday morning. I suppose my, my expectations, first of all, you know, when I said that the once time with Charlie was kind of was it wanted to I, I wanted to raise awareness about my, my about my, about my own mountain to climb with MS, and you know, I suppose with that, then I set up an I an I donate page, and I said it was more to kind of create awareness because I wanted I said I wanted to be that person I, I wanted to be the person I was looking for two years ago that someone could come across online or people 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 know me from the Facebook Live. Yes. I want to be that person someone would say, God, Andy Walsh, he's got a mess. And he's yeah. seems to be doing okay because he's mountain biking or he's a rallying and he's doing this and doing that. I want to be that I want to be that person 
that I wanted to see two years ago. Mm -hmm. So I suppose, like what Charlie is doing, I want to raise awareness. Um, and I suppose, like little as I know that what I achieved, what I achieved last Saturday, not only mentally and physically, but I suppose financially. Like I said, I had set out to raise awareness and maybe collect a few bob. And what I achieved to date, like I, I was looking this morning, I passed, I just passed over 14,000 euro in, in what I've collected. Like I'm blown away by that. And I'm <laughs> so thankful to everyone who has contributed. But I suppose now I know the difference that's going to make to people. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I, I know from reading stuff on MSR and I'm from talking to people there, I know things like, you know, 2,000 euro, it, it could provide... 35 hours of counseling for people who are newly diagnosed or like so 3,000 euro could provide a 10 week physiotherapy course for about 56 people living with MS and it'll help them to, to, to actually maintain their ability or to, or even to remain independent. Like, and it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a mad thing. Like, and I'm, yeah. I have a lump in my throat when I think about what I have achieved mm -hmm. and then I see what Charlie has achieved. Like yes. he's, you know, collected over two million. One man has brought the country together in a way that's just... I, that, like, it's un, it's unheard of, isn't it, really, when you think about it? It's just, it's un, it's, it, is, it is unheard of, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you, you asked me there, had I climbed Crow Patrick before? Yeah. Um, as I said, I live less than an hour away from Crow Patrick. Yes. Um, and if you want to laugh at this, <laughs> I climbed Crow Patrick about, I'd say... Of 20, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had actually said to my wife there a couple of weeks ago, I said, I, I better take this climb kind of serious now. And I better, you know, I better, uh, what might, you know, being a typical rally man, I better have a recce off it and kind of see <laughs> how I fix that, you know? So what I'd done is the only day that I could between work and everything was busy. So the day after Paddy's Day, that bank holiday that we were given, mm -hmm. I said, Wife said, I'm going to go and have and have a cut of Crow Patrick to see, you know, it is a still, you know, it, it's it's just a mountain. <laughs> but yeah, you have to give it a bit of respect, like, you know. So, and I suppose, you know, to, to be serious for a second, I didn't want to show up last Saturday and realize because there were some things, you know, I'm not as fit, I, I'm not able to do stuff in ways I used to be able to do stuff, I, yeah. you know, I do things differently. But I, I didn't want to show up last Saturday and kind of and start climbing and realize. I'm gonna bother here. Like there'd be mm -hmm. enough going on. So, so I wanted to go down. I'm only less than an hour away. So I went down on that Friday, and I started climbing. And um, I was I, I was bidding to climb, and suddenly I was I was really struggling with my leg, and my, my body just it just wasn't playing ball. Like it's gonna have days like that. And I was there, and I was like. I was climbing a while and I suddenly I said, I said, I, I can't do this. Like my leg was giving me trouble. I was struggling with the actual incline. And I said, I'm really, really, really struggling here. I remember looking down at my watch. I was only half an hour in. I was like, what am I going to do? Jesus, this is really, really tough. Like, and I was really, I was really questioning myself. Can I do this? And I was like, I have to do this because I'm collecting money and I got to mm -hmm. do it like can I do it like so I had a moment I had a long moment and I remember I was I was I was leaning back against a rock I, kind of, I went like I have to do it like you know so I pair headphones on me and I what I done I changed music in the headphone and I've told this to a few people and everyone laughs at this I, I ran ACDC and <laughs> I looked down and I put one foot in front of the other one foot in front of the other and that's gonna that's been a thing in the last two years of me it's, some things I just I just have to do it, you gotta get on. So I put one foot in front of the other and I just started to climb, started to walk, started to walk, started to walk. And after a while, I got to halfway, and halfway in Crow Patrick, things kind of level out for a while. And I was I was on the level part, and I, I looked behind me, I was like, Jesus, that's that's pretty impressive. Then I looked up at the cone at, at the top part. I was like, maybe I have enough to know today, because bear in mind, this is the this is the day before West Cork. Yes. So I need to kind of save the body. So then I remember thinking, I've come this far and I'm, you know, it's been tough and I might do it again. So at least if I climb it today, I can say that I've climbed it. Yes. So I put down the head and I kept <laughs> on going. And I suppose I'm stubborn at times at that. And I got to the top and I was, it was, it was unreal, like, you know. And then 
I got down again and it was tough coming down. I said, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough mountain. Like, mm-hmm. but I got down. I remember sitting in the boot of my car for about half an hour, looking up at what I'd done. And I went, okay, I done it. I can do it the next day. You know, and that's what it was. I suppose uh-huh. I showed up the next, I, I, I showed up last Saturday and I said, I was, I was going to go early because again, I don't know how long that it was going to take me, you know, at a whole mm-hmm. day to do it. And I set off and actually i tell you a funny one is i had headphones on me again but your show last week the east the east african classic safari that's what i was going to climb to that's what i was going to keep just to you know just to <laughs> off my keep mind. Uh-huh. yeah keep on because I, I really love the podcast and you know so they're really really good but um i i remember getting to the area where i had trouble the week previous like almost like again rally man i kind of had to kind of got off uh-huh. the mark to go, like you yeah. know i i could see it in the distance and Kevin I passed that place like Josh Moffat and Bird last year on the limiter man I just flew past it and I got to the top right but oh, I tell you it was last Saturday was the most surreal day emotionally as I said you know emotionally physically mentally and you know I got to the top then and I was coming down and I, and I met Charlie Bird coming up and and the crew was with him. And oh, you've seen the videos. Yes. You've seen uh, the videos in the rounds and uh-huh. the video of the, of the Clue Bay band playing, playing on top of Crow Patrick. Uh-huh. And if you don't shed a tear to that. There's something there's wrong with you. There is. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And like, you know, yeah, that, that's, that's a long answer to the question there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we know how proud of a male man you are. Like, how did that make you feel seeing those images beamed across the world? You know, that, you know, the scenery, the reception, the, the, the emotion, it was, it was just something to behold. Yeah, it, it was. It was, again, as I said, it was such an emotional day. And, but I suppose it wasn't just Mayo. Like, yes, it was great to see Mayo and Patrick and, but all the people involved and all the people that had climbs all over the world, like, you know, there was, climbs in US in the US and Australia, mm-hmm. South Africa, Spain, you know, um, all over Ireland, like mm-hmm. what Charlie done and how he organized and everyone that came out to volunteer and on a day in the hill, remember there was the, the, the defense forces, the guards, uh, the mountain rescue, the Order of Malta, and an army of volunteers. And I'm sure it was the same on, on every climb, like the people mm-hmm. that volunteered. Um, yes, I was proud of Mayo, but I was proud of Ireland. Yeah. And I was proud of everything all, all over the world that kind of got together for this. Again, as I said, like one man, one man from a couple of minutes, from saying something for a few minutes when he was on the late, late, late show talking to Ryan Tuberty and he brought everyone together. It was just, it was just amazing. Like. Mm-hmm. I could have listened to Ryan Tuberty this morning on the radio and he says, he was claiming that he spoke to, he, 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 he would guarantee that he spoke he didn't to me. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but he says that he spoke to every, at least one person from every county in Ireland on his way up or his way down. So that just shows that the number of people there and the spread of people that was there. It's just it's amazing, isn't it? Really, you know. So yeah, I was coming down, and obviously, you know me because I'm now the glass half full guy. Like you know, I was telling people like, oh yeah, you've, you know that the, they were halfway or whatever, and, and you could see you could see people struggling. Like you know, I was telling me only a little while more, and they were looking at me like, I was like just a little bit more. And that's the hard part, John. Like some of them thought I was mad, like but others it was just what they needed to hear. Yes. But you know, see, seeing the array, even you know, you obviously like the football jerseys and stuff like, and I was taking note of people as passing down, and the you know, yeah, oh from all over, from all over the all over mm-hmm. the world actually. But, yes, you know, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like you know, you've talk, you touched there, and the people you know that helped you do it, and all that you know, and the amount of money you raised. Like, was this something you done on your own, or was there a team effort behind it? Is there anybody yeah, you no, like, it, think for making it all happen? I, 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 I yeah. Who, who do I thank? Um, I want to thank everyone that actually contributed uh, because I've had amazing support from people I, I know through rallying to. People in you know my my in my area like to people I went to school with. I'm getting donations from people that and like okay. I originally started off it because it's all about Ukraine at the moment and people. A lot of people collect money for Ukraine and stuff. And I, I didn't kind of set out to you know go asking for asking for big money. I put up a thing online. You know, 
if you give me the price of a sandwich and a cup of coffee, I, I'd be happy with that. It was again, it was to create the awareness. But to say I'm blown away with what I've achieved, uh, I have no words. Like you know, it's just, and I want to thank every single person that contributed. And like even last weekend in Burr, like you know, as you said, there on Facebook, these people thank me. Those people give me money and. It's really emotional, like, to, mm-hmm. to think, you know, it just is, like, you know, yeah, yeah I just want to thank every single person. Because mm-hmm. even the drivers rolling up to the end of the stages yesterday, the amount of them that says, it's a senior yesterday, you know, fantastic, you know. Yeah. And like, that's all, as well as giving you money, it's raised awareness, like, you know, and way beyond what you ever hoped to do as well, you know, like, as you yeah, say, somebody yeah. will Google MS, you know, you know, how am I going to cope with this? And your story will pop up and you'll, they'll go, Jesus, you know, this is possible to, to live with this. Yeah, like, you know, I, I just I, I just want to let people know that, and not to say mess, like, you know, people are diagnosed with lots of different things. And I just want to, want to know, just kind of meet them with a glass half full, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it takes a lot of getting used to it. And my life has changed a lot, like, you know, and mm-hmm. so there are certain things that, that I can't do anymore. And other things, I suppose, are just me. Because I can't do them, I find a different way to do them. And I still try to do, you know, but I, yeah, just ha- have a look at what I do. Like, I, mm-hmm. ev- people see me, you know, every second weekend almost. And, you know, you see my Instagram, I'm gone mountain biking or I- I'm always at something. I try to be active and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I want to just let people know that it's because, as I said, I, I used to meet people. Lo- I-, I was meeting people locally here uh, because <coughs> of the whole waking inside our 5K, I suppose, when I was diagnosed. And uh, uh, my knowledge of people having it, it was very, very limited. But I meet people and say, oh, yeah, my second cousin's wife or whatever has it. And, you know, they give up work and oh, they're doing OK now. But, you know. And I was there like, I've got mortgage to pay. I've got bills to pay. Like, I, I can't be giving up work. And, there was, you know, people telling me maybe my job didn't really suit me. You know, I should think about taking it easy. I'm like, you know, I, I I didn't want to hear that, like, you know, and that was that was really tough, like be, yeah. being told this and, you know, going home, they sit in the room that the walls were getting smaller, for, for, like at, at the start, the walls were getting very small in that room. And mm-hmm. it, it was it was quite a dark place, like. For sure, for sure. But I think, you know, what I've taken away from what you after talking about is everything can be done one step at a time, put one foot in front of the other, you know, so that's, you know, that's the thing I think we need to take away from this. You know, there's, there's obviously there's things that's not going to be possible, but there's other things that are possible. You know, so. I suppose I'll ask you one thing: how would you eat, how would you eat an elephant? Yes, <laughs> one bite at a time. Yeah, one bite at a time. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get back to the, the weekend job now. I suppose, like Mayo 2017, um, was the first time you, yourself and Killian started Facebook Live. At, you know, stage ends. What was the yeah. inspiration behind this? Yeah, Mayo 17, and it's hard to beat us a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, uh, what was the inspiration behind it? Um, I, I suppose it it came from a few different things happening. I, you know, I, I, I had a few very enjoyable years as Piero for Mayo and Jason Sport Club. And um, but there was there was there was a few members in the club that kind of decided that they wanted the club to go down a different route with, with how they with how to promote with how to promote the members. So I was more or less asked, more or less asked to step down. And uh, I got to know Killian when I was Piero because he was competing in the Middle East and in WRC2 and, uh, and the whole lot. So basically, we actually had a chat one day and we're, we're on about what he had done with Osmarani News and it's actually 10 years ago now, I think it was 2012 when he started that. And we're, we're on about what he, was, what he had done and what he had achieved with that. And I was talking about, like, I had, I had, I had dabbled with a little bit of Periscope. If people remember Periscope. It was an app associated with Twitter. It was like, it was a live streaming app. I remember I actually done that for um I was doing a bit of that in in our in our order process and I actually done the the last stage in May of 2000 and 2016 I think it's actually a video that had floating around somewhere but uh, where I basically like what I'm doing now I I, I tried that and that that was the, what I was meant with there was like why is this less happening like what what I asked I remember um like Gary Jones up and it's kind of like What's wrong? You know, uh, and like and Niall Maguire, Niall actually he had, he had actually damaged the car, and I stopped him to have to control, and he's kind of like get out of my way type thing, and that's I have it on video somewhere, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I suppose, uh, Killian 
we had, we had a chat over coffee one day, even though I, I don't drink coffee. We had a chat over coffee. as We had Mayo Sages coming up and I was no longer Piero and he couldn't do the event. He couldn't, you know, he, he was doing the pace notes. He, he was on about pace notes and stuff. So he, he was looking for something to do as well. So, so we got together and we had this mad idea about if we could interview the drivers, take the Ultimate Rally News, take Facebook Live and kind of combine them so you know, he had a big crew when he was doing the Ultra Rally News, and it was it, it was a fairly big budget as such, a, a big budget production. So if we could go with two phones and no expectation and see what we could do, and the rest is history. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and that very first day, you know, you're about to push the button to go live. Was there a lot of nerves lying about? Yeah, there was a lot of nerves, but I suppose I kind of, you know, I had the, the little bit of periscope done, I suppose, during that. I suppose, yeah, the, the, there definitely was nerves because we were back in Ackle. Uh, we didn't have great phone coverage, sorry for our lives. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those nerves about kind of, okay, I suppose at the time, everyone knew Killian. They, they knew him to see, and he was, he was a face that everyone knows. And people didn't really know me because a lot of the work I had done had been behind the scenes. And, you know, I would write the articles or whatever it was or any kind of PRO work. Uh, they, may have knew, they may have known the name, but they didn't know my face. Like, you know, so even getting them to stop, like this is before we didn't have media babes. We were just at the end of the stage waving people down. And yeah, it was nervous. It was nervous. Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. And, you know, can you believe how it's developed since then? Honest answer? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and every event like that's it you know like um i always say to kill you that we're as good as our last event you know and uh yeah can i believe it where where it's developed no you know we, we had we, we've had some really fun you know we, we've had we've had issues with mics and we've tried just you know just saying every, that every day is a school day well with us every day was a school day because we were trying stuff you know Try out different mics, try to go wireless, wouldn't work because wireless would, would interfere with our fives for some mad reason. The, the, the engine, it, it would have oh, interference, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, our mics not plugged in properly or whatever, and the sound would come across. And then you have people come from other country, you plug in your mic, or you know, or you would lose coverage. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're we as good as what the phone coverage is. Yeah. Now, the phone coverage, I have, I have to say, over the last few years has been improving in different areas, but. Our coverage is basically dependent on if we have phone coverage, we can bring you a lovely stream and crystal clear voice. But if, if we have no phone coverage and also and another big issue is the more people that are at events, we're all pulling from the same mast. Oh, so Killian yeah. <laughs> go and, and he'd be doing the pace notes and he would stop and he'd check the locations for me and he'd report back and say, oh, we've a good download speed and all this stuff. Like, you know, our uploads, could we work off upload speed, obviously? And it's X amount of... A, a, you know it's 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 x amount of size upload speed mm -hmm. but then when it comes to the day off an event and there's thousands of people out around and they're on the ditches and they're on yeah. snapchat or instagram or some on tinder or whatever it is yes. like everyone's pulling from the same mass we're pull, pulling off as well like so that it does kind of that that affects phone coverage sometimes like you know mm -hmm. and do you still get nervous oh 100 i'm even nervous now like yeah <laughs> Yeah, I know, like, you're always nervous. I suppose, like, you're really nervous because as you're about to push that button, you may have everything ready, right? You may, you know, your, your, your spiel, your spiel typed out and everything's ready to go and you have signal and you press the button and she's spinning, spinning, spinning and it's not connected. And you can hear Josh Moffat coming uh -huh. and you haven't got connected and you're there going, oh man, come on, come on, come on, come on. And the phone may freeze or whatever. And it's always in the back of your mind. Oh, when there's people around you, like now there's more, you know, the crowds at the end of stages and stuff again, which is great. And uh, you, you, you are just nervous because you're like, what do I ask? And then you're always, you're always ner you're nervous as well because someone may come to the end of the stage and they may have damage or something may have gone wrong. And, you know, what do you say? So I'm like, oh, yeah. what do you say to someone who may have been in the lead and may have cooked it on that stage and you're the first person they see? Mm -hmm. what, what do you say to them? Yes, I, you know, it's a fine line between being condescending and being cheeky or, you know, being, you don't want to be too sympathetic either because it's not really what they need to hear either. It's, it's, as, I, as you say, it's a very fine line, isn't it? You know? so, mm -hmm. um, Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's your proudest moment over the last five years doing the job? Uh, proudest moment? I suppose the proudest moments would be the amount of messages that we get from people. Um, people, for different <clears> reasons, who are 
weren't able to come to the event, you know, because of health, uh, because of mobility issues, and uh, we've been, you know, competing for years or are no longer able to come out of the ditches and they are watching at home. Like we, we get pictures of people send us and it's just great to be able to bring them to an event or people who are in different countries uh, would work or whatever. And they really miss our, they really miss the Irish rally. And the amount of message we get like that, and they really, you know, they really thank us for giving people access to Irish rallying again, or letting their daughter see her father who's competing car number 135 that she, she hasn't, you know, she was in Australia for the last two years or whatever it is like, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool to, to be the person that brings that together. Like, you know, that, that is pretty cool. Uh, it's, uh, it makes the world so small that if you say somebody in Australia can be sitting watching their, their father, their uncle, their, their brother, whatever. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It, it gives you goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as, what, what's been the hardest moment then that you've had to, to speak about then when you're online? I suppose that the hardest moment is sometimes when, when things go wrong and you know that you're broadcasting something that there's a lot of people looking at. And if something goes wrong, you know, if there's an accident or something and there's a lot of people looking at you and you're, you're kind of, it could be, it could be a delicate situation and what's the right way to handle it, uh, what to say, um, you know, even down to things like sometimes I'm at the end of the stage and there could be someone with a radio and you need to make sure that, that the information doesn't come across online or that I don't show something that could be, you know, like that, like you don't want to show, you know, yeah. again, if someone's in an accident and if their wife or daughter or family member is looking through my stream, like I, I may have seen their name pop up because you, you know, you take notes of some names that when, when they come through, like you might have mm-hmm. 1,400 viewers and you have, a, you have a list of names and they pop up, pop up, or whatever. And something might just catch your eye. So you would be aware sometimes of who, who's actually looking. Like obviously, don't see the whole, all the no. names. Like, but you just need to be careful that you don't show something that people will, will go off or, you know, and take a story from or mm-hmm. show something that you, you just need to respect what's going on. If that's, if that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, that makes sense that yeah. Part of times, like yeah. how, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what you show and yeah. And like, you know, we'll just look at, you know, what has happened this year to date, you know, this Josh Moffat man, what, you know, what a machine this year. <laughs> what a man. What a, <laughs> uh-huh. I, 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 I actually want to, Sorry, I'm actually running out of the things. One second. <clears throat> I'm actually running out of things to say to him at, at, at the end of stages. Like, you know, it's <laughs> but I, I, you know, it's fantastic because, again, it's that raw emotion that once they open the door, I, that I see him or, or any winning driver or any driver who's, who's done well, not, not, not even Josh Moffat, any driver mm-hmm. down speed, could be juniors, could be any class. But yeah, to see that emotion, and to see members of his of, of his family there on the finish line, but yeah, Josh is he's mm-hmm. unreal, isn't he? Mm-hmm. That's, that's brilliant and great to see. And like the Irish Rally in twenty twenty two is in such a healthy place. And I think personally, I think it's fantastic just to see. I think in a few years' time, we're going to look back and say this really was a golden era of Irish Rally. And you know, we all talk about you know the Fisher, you know, McHale era, you know, the WRCs. I, I really do believe in, you know, 10 years, 15 years' time, we're going to look back and say, you know, 2019, 2022, these were, th- these years were something else. Absolutely. And, uh, and not even just what, what I'm reporting in, in, in on every second week. If we look at, you know, look at the WRC and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have drivers in all categories, Craig and Josh and William. And, you know, what this country is, is achieving is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, like, like I was saying, the reason they're saying the recent someone, it's you, you have kids getting involved now in, in, in rallying because we have a driver and one of the best open cars. And actually, one of my friends he actually sent me a snapshot of, of his son, he was playing one of the WC games, and he, and he was he was driving Williams Fiesta, and it was purely because there was an Irish flag on it. Like, and to see things like that, like, and see what we're achieving all across the world, yeah. and see, you know, the work's going on in the MI Rally Academy and stuff, like, and even see the likes of young people coming through. and even there at the weekend, talking to, you know, the, the battles in class two and, and, and stuff like that. All these young drivers. and mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great for Irish rallying. Absolutely super. Andy Walsh, uh, what, what a fella. He's such an inspiration. Um, just 
even the fact that he was doing that the day before Burr and standing out um, at the end of the end of stages all day Sunday. No crack, cracking fella, and you, you just have to take your hat off to him for for doing that. Um, we've got a link to donate to Andy's cause with MS Ireland, um, so check that out in the the post descriptions. I know he's he's raised a lot of money already, and I'm sure there's been plenty of rally folk donated already. But if you haven't seen that, um, no, check that out and support Andy because yeah, he he deserves it. Um, so now we've got the top two from Burr Stages Rally. Um, and then Joe Sharp was uh, getting the guys after after the stages there. So thanks, Joe, for that. So today, as you said there, it went very well for us from the word go. And uh, we had a real good start to the day with a very quick time of stage one. And I suppose we, we just carried it on from there. And I suppose just for, for the last two stages there, we, we kept it safe enough there. But Declan hit the fastest time there in the last stage. So he got an extra point for that. But uh, no, it's definitely it's a good start for the championship. And, uh, camera capturing there Josh Moffat, uh, Declan Boyle and also Kevin Eves, the top two wheel drive uh, from the weekend. But you know, this Josh Moffat man, what can we say Adam that hasn't already been said? <laughs> I know, four from four now in 2022, I think the only thing changing is his co-driver. <laughs> it's, uh, it's making no difference. Um, yeah, so comfortable, so smooth, no dramas. Um, obviously going hard to to keep um Keith Cronin at bed at the start and um Declan Boyle as well. Once he got in the groove with the the World Rally car, you know he still wasn't taking any time off off Josh. So he's found the sweet spot there. Um, you know, no no issues on each rally. They're they've all been different different types of rallies, different parts of the country and he, he's taking them all in a stride. Um, I think that's his third win in Burr in a row as well, which is a, a nice start for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, fair, fair play to him. Like he's right right on, on top form and um, I think as well he is um, picking up these wins in the national rallies, but it's given him more seat time in between the, the Irish Tarmac events. Um, mm-hmm. I guess a lot of the, the other Irish Tarmac guys are focusing 
on that championship and Josh is doing both and he, he's you know everything's so fresh with him so yeah. yeah I guess that's maybe an advantage going into the circuit again I think so like you know I think confidence is a huge thing too with Josh even there the weekend and the first loop he was having trouble with the intercom it didn't seem to get yeah. to him he didn't seem to get flustered yeah. I just think he just seems so confident so relaxed in the car and that's yeah. obviously making a huge difference and I think that's down to what you're saying there is the seat time that he is comfortable that he will be able to go out the next loop and punch in times, you know, as needed. Yeah, yeah he's he's so calm, isn't he? There's, mm-hmm. there, I know, I suppose Irish, some Irish guys are quite laid back, um, but but Josh is very calm and it's it is nice to see him doing well because he he's got that smile on his face and you can just tell he's enjoying it and he, you know, he, he's there. He's there to enjoy his rallying, but you know he's he's picking up serious <laughs> serious wins this year, and it's it's wins against big competition, probably the most competitive rallies we've had for for quite a long time. So you know he's he's finding his form at the the toughest time, I guess, in, yeah, in terms mm-hmm. of competition. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, we have to speak about Keith Cronin at the weekend. Great to see him back in the Irish Tower again. And like the uh, times we've set in the polo, wouldn't it be great if he would come out and do a few more events closer to home? I know. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he'll be snatching the car off Daniel if he's, if he's doing <laughs> any more events in Ireland. Um, but yeah, just quality driver, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Jumps in the car for the first time and he's next best to, to Josh. Um, no bother to him at all. And as well on the Hankooks, which is... Uh, yeah, a different tire for for Ireland, and yeah, he was bound to be losing a bit of time with just running a, a different um, brand with um, obviously less miles in, in Ireland. So yeah, he's he's going to be helping that brand um, improve their offering for for crews. And yeah, if he if he's going back to BRC now, I think their first rounds in tarmac. So you have to think he's in with a good chance over there. Yeah, like, you know, for somebody that hasn't sat in a rally car for since, what, the Ulster, to step yeah. in and, you know, a brand new car, like, we all hear about the polos, the drivability of the polo, but it's like every car, getting that final tenth out of it isn't easy. And he was able to do it, like, what is it to say, you know, class permanent, isn't it? You can't really say anything more about him than that. Yeah, I think just from some of the video footage and even the photos, like the, the shape, the car was in you know he was he was pushing it on and he seems to have that ability where if he pushes over the edge he's that not natural ability or the natural instinct and reaction speed to you know keep it on the road or let two tires touch the grass but keep it out of the edge um it's no bother to him and yeah i guess people maybe wonder why why he doesn't stick Pirelli's on it for for Burr or whatever in or Michelin's and see what he can do against Moffat? But at the end of the day, I think Keith is one of those guys that's always talked about um, just the difficulties of of putting together a, a program and the realities of rallying. And obviously, with him working alongside Hancock, he's, Hancock is able to go and do the British Championship and you know that's that's where he wants to be so it's great to see him out and it's nice to see him in a polo a competitive car and it's mm-hmm. given Daniel the chance to drive up in the Tarmac Championship too so yeah it's a, a pretty good outcome all around isn't yeah, it? Yeah it's a 1-1 for everybody you know so it really is and then yeah. Darren Gass uh, getting back on the podium again fantastic to see Desi Henry getting a few miles on before the, the circuit earned Probably not the day Desi wanted, it, but probably still good to get a few tarmac miles on the race belt. Yeah, so he's on the, the Circuit of Ireland entry, um, and that's one closer to home for him. I'm sure he'll want to be looking for, for a good result. Um, but yeah, I think it's a frustrating day maybe for Desi. You know, he, he was in good pace, but he seemed to have this um, pop-off valve issue that a lot of guys are suffering from with the, the rally two fiesta i know um you know it seemed to tender divine quite a lot in the european championship last year as well so mm-hmm. i don't know what what the reason behind that is or what's going on but mm-hmm. but you'd, you'd like to think that 
that can be sorted out in, in the Rally 2 car because you know if it's if it's becoming that consistent of a problem, it you imagine it will put certain people off and you know if they're putting a lot of energy into to doing rounds or maybe not doing all that many and whenever they do come out and that sort of um hits them it's yeah definitely frustrating. Sure, for sure. And then you know have to then Kevin Eves like we've, <laughs> we've we've seen his speed all year like and he has a few niggles and issues and one thing or but to was he sixth I think overall at the finish up. Uh yeah. You know, ahead of I don't know how many R five rally two cars as well. And uh, every clip you see of him, every photo you see of him, like sublime. I think it's, it's probably not too strong a word, really. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, there's never been any doubt in Kevin's pace in the, the twin cam, but it, it all came together for him finally in Burr. Um, no issues, no retirements, so he'll be a happy man. And yeah, I think he mentioned Killarney maybe. Mm-hmm. It'll be the next one he's aiming for, and yeah, it'll be another big race down there. But no, there's plenty of two-wheel drive fellas um, going well, but they've seemed to be the the man to beat in Burr. Mm-hmm. And like another thing we should take away from Burr at the weekend was like I think sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth all modified cars. It shows you the pace these guys are on. Like um, uh, Michael Carbon and the Evo in the class twenty, like you know. You know, serious pace there too, and then Kieran and Black again. You know, the, the two guys back at it again, hammer and tongue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kieran had the fight back this time. Um, was that a, a drive shaft? Um, it was out of balance or something like that, and the noise he couldn't hear his, hear his co driver right. Um, but yeah, he had to fight back, and of course, he got the line on at the end, then that he couldn't let Jason away with another one after a. <laughs> uh, Mayo, so yep, he he stole second and two wheel drive off Jason on the last stage. So oh it's it's class. Like those guys love the the battles and they're pushing to the limit. Um you'll need to watch their in cars or watch some of the clips to to see that. But yeah, we're we're definitely lucky to to see that over here. Mm-hmm. And like you know, we have to also tip the hat to Desi Keenan. Um you know, yeah. bike and the car looks fantastic. Still running the thirteen-inch wheels, you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it just it looks a wee bit strange in the, on the small wheels, but the times are getting closer and closer. Yep, so punching in those times, the the first time back out in uh, modifieds for quite a while, and yeah, he's he's not too far off that crazy pace that we're, we've just talked about. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it's brilliant. Uh, another group of um, or another class that was quite interesting to follow was the, the front wheel drive Mulligan and Fiestas or Rally 4 ones R2T Fiestas and R2 Fiestas uh, they were all battling um, between each other Michael Boyle um, Daryl Leonard, Jody McManus and Shane Quinn were, were the four at the top of that and there wasn't much between them Um Again, it's it's sort of it's nice to see that class, um, sitting nice and competitive with guys trading stage wins and um, battling for for the top of the class. So, yep, if those guys stick at it through through the year, it'll be nice to to follow them. And Ryan Caldwell as well is one we've got used to mm-hmm. to seeing, and he was on R five yeah. in Burr, mm-hmm. which was something different. And you know, you know, if them boys would, you know, I don't know what the intention is to do, maybe some tarmac rounds as well. That you know, you can mix in then like Joe Kelly into that mix. You know, Eamon yeah. Kelly if he comes back as well too. So you know, fingers crossed. You know, the Rally Four R two brigade, it's looking a lot more healthy than it has in the last few years. Yeah, it's it's maybe been the the missing piece. Um, it's all the the modified and top R five guys from World Rally cars as well. So yeah, it was just something I noticed from Burr that there is definitely just a handful of seconds between those guys all day. So yeah, it'll be great if that continues. Absolutely, absolutely. And then with the, the Wally Lucknan uh, caricature forestry this weekend. 
something to look forward to there as well, I suppose. And uh, I call it with Jordan Hoon, and let's hear what he has to say. Ah, it was a big step up now. Um, thankfully, we got the opportunity to, to make a deal for the Fiesta at the end of 2021. And uh, thankfully, it's got a gravel kit and it's full Irish tarmac, so it's the proper proper car. Um, it's been a big change, Kevin, I'm not lie. It's I was pretty anxious to start the year, you know. Um, there's a lot of lot of changes coming to coming from an R2 car up to an R5 car. Um, but the change has sort of suited us well. Um, we've made a we've had a good test at the start of the year. We made some good changes, made the car very predictable. Um, sort of got a good base sort of setup that we we were happy with at the start of the year, and uh, we've been able to push on from there um, with the two events that we've done so far. Um, one of them being the Clarny Forest Rally, the first round of the Irish Forest Championship, and then the Markham Molson Rally, the uh, first round of the BTRDA Championship. Um, no, no, we've got two good events under us now and looking forward to the next next couple. Yeah, Come and on. like, you know, we should say, like Adam Platt, uh, AP, our rally team's running the car for you. And like, yeah. you know, no better man, like Adam, I spoke to him previously, has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the R5 Fiesta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy now and he's, he's got a lot of experiences working with that car, uh, especially that car after he's, he ran it with Declan Boyle as well. Um, he built it from the ground up after Declan was finished with it. Um, so now he's, he's got a wealth of experience with it and uh, he's a good guy to have on hand, you know, especially coming from an R2 car to an R5 car. He's a lot of experience working with them and he's familiar with them yeah. and he's able to, to get the best ideas for us. I point you in the right direction for setup and things like that. And then, yeah, you know, no, he did help with that. You mentioned there the Malcolm Molson stages then. Like you had a good run there, a couple of top three times. Could have been in probably fighting for a top five overall position. Like, yeah, the time penalty, whatever. But like, I suppose it wasn't really the end result. It was uh, seat time, really, that was the objective looking over there. Yeah, no, that's it, exactly. Um, the experience, uh, I suppose it was a bit of a break between the Killarney Forestry Rally and Carry the Next Round, Carry and Share, the Wally Lockman Rally. Mm-hmm. And it was a good opportunity to, um, to get over to do the Malcolm Wilson. Some good stages over there. And thankfully, we were able to get. Um, some sponsorship gathered up to, to actually fund us going over there. Um, no, it was, it was a good event for us. And, uh, as you say, we had some some good times and unfortunately we got a we got a time penalty in the midst of it all. Um, sort of fell out of our control, but the times and the stages sort of counted. And if only only if we if we didn't get the penalty, we would have finished within the top five comfortably. Um, so no, for only a second event in our five care, we were quite happy with that. Absolutely. And like looking ahead to the weekend, what's your, your thoughts ahead of it? It's the, an event you've done a couple of times previously. Have you enjoyed the rally before? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an event that I've started three times before. I only finished once. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a quite difficult rally. It's a, definitely a tough event. Um, the stages and conditions can be quite, tucky, or, uh, quite tough and mucky. Um, but it's, it's, it's a good event. There's some good stages that are fast or technical. And, um, no, looking forward to it. I've, you know, it's, I've done two rallies in the Fiesta, R5, and stepping up to an R5 gear. I have no real ex- ex- expectations, Kevin. Um, mm-hmm. I just like to go down and try and get some good points for the championship. And uh, Patrick O'Brien's also doing the event. You know, another guy like yourself coming up through the ranks, wanting to prove himself. It's a, a, good, a good barometer for the two years. Yeah, no, it's... it's um, it's good. It's good. Patrick's there. I remember starting at the Clarny Forest Rally at the very start of the day. Um, myself and Patrick and my father, Paul, he, we were sitting laughing. Um, we started together at, at all track and Novas and courses. And, and look where we are now. We're in our five cars in the first round of the Forest Championship. It was a, it was a good, it was good. So it was. Uh, so no, Patrick would be quick. And there's another, there's other quick guys behind us there as well. You know, Niall McCullough and Connor McCourt and, all quick men that's capable of having a good result. So um, if we, we'd be quite happy if we get to the finish and if, top, if it's a top three, all well and good. But I you know I'd be quite happy with a strong finish and some good points for the, for the second round of the championship. Because mm-hmm. like at the end of it, you know, you have to be realistic. It is, as you say, only your third event in the car. Like there's no point in setting yourself up for a fall either at the same time. No, this is it. Yeah, no, we're just trying to get, us, get ourselves comfortable with the car, you know. 
at no point in the past two events that we've done in the car it's if we find any sort of limits or anything like this so it's it's uh if we can go down and we can be find our comfortable pace from the word go i'd be quite happy and then we can decide to decide if we can push on them i mean try and go for a result then all well and good but as i say you know a result is what we're trying to achieve and and our, our finish is what we're trying to achieve, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, looking ahead then beyond that, um, the Maiden City uh, stages is on then in May. It's very close to home for you, um, mm-hmm. an event you want to take part in. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's just, well, at the minute, the, the focus is certainly on the, well, the Wally Lockman and really the only focus at the minute. Um, if we get a result there, then and there's no sort of hobble at the end of that rally. We'll uh, we'll look forward to the main city stages. Um, it's as you say, it's an event. It's local to us. It's 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 in the village where I grew up and went to primary school and went to secondary school. And it's be quite special to be uh, to have it so close to home and compete on it. Um, I know the the motor club, main city motor club, are putting on a huge effort and uh, with Peter Rick in there. Um, so uh, they're quite passionate about making it work, and hopefully it works out for them. And no yeah. doubt it will. Yeah, and like, do you really have a preference, like a tarmac or forestry, or you're happy in either surface? I, yeah, I well, I would prefer if I had a preference, I would prefer to be on gravel. It's it's there's um it's quite a special feeling. Uh, the stones beating over the bonnet and over the roof. It's <laughs> it's uh it's uh and getting a few slides as well. It's it's quite special, but um. No, it's look, tarmac is it's brilliant too. There's the speed and sensation in tarmac and the grip that you have in tarmac is is uh is quite special, you know, especially whenever you get an NR5 car with so much grip anyway, it'll be even better again. But uh no, if I had a preference, I'd have to pick gravel. <laughs> and like you know, like you think that like the likes of Gary Jennings there at the weekend that was his first time in the fiesta on a dry surface and he was raving about you know the, the grip and the that you could be in a, a gear higher going into corners he could even be breaking so much later like it's not like somebody coming from a world car still getting their, trying to get their head around our five just shows you the capability of these cars yeah yeah no this is exactly right kevin yeah no it's the way the car generates grip and mechanical grip it's, it's unbelievable it's something i haven't got my head around just quite yet <laughs> so hopefully some more seat time on tarmac will, will help with that, but it's it's a, it's a real credit, you know, and especially whenever you have guys like Adam Platt just looking after Carol, you know, he'll have the experience and tells and point us in the right direction for the first our first uh, tarmac rally in the car. You know, it'll be a big help as well. It was great there to catch up with Jordan and hear his thoughts ahead of this weekend. Um, we should also probably look back at last weekend and a couple of events that was happening over in Australia. Uh, Sean McAloon and Marion Hayes come top two wheel drive in the Camber Rally in their Mark II Esprit. Great result. Also, uh, Glenn Alcorn and Johnny Charlson in the Four Door Mark II. Uh, again, top two wheel drive. Great, uh, great drive there too. And uh, we should also mention is was Max McRae and Mike Cairns who were leading that rally um, until unfortunately they were put out with mechanical issues. You know, would have been lovely to see the McRae name one in a rally and an, and in a Subaru too. That would have been pretty special, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, Max and Max McRae and Mark Cairns has got got the ring to it definitely. It so mm-hmm. yeah, hope, hopefully those guys can continue their their uh, form in Australia. And when we're on the the form of going through um, overseas results, we have to mention John Armstrong, um, who was busy in the Azores while Kevin and Connor were uh, keeping keeping the podcast busy with their brilliant chat on the Tuttle's trip to Safari. Um, but yeah, John had a crack and run in his Rally 3 Fiesta. Um, just the the stage times were were crazy, Kevin, weren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we had spoke the previous week about how competitive these Rally Three cars was, and yeah, you know, like he took it to another level again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he must have been listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like on on the second stage where he had his problems, he was on course to set. I think it was six fastest overall. Amongst yeah, the, he, the cream of European Rally Two R Five cars. He he had the splits all checked out, and I think he was like a 
either less than a second or just over a second off the pace of the eventual rally winner, who was um, obviously on an R5. Like, mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, but yeah, I think the, the nature of the rally, it was quite tight and twisty. Um, basically, every corner was blind, so I imagine um, John's commitment to notes, and we've chatted before about how well that partnership with Brian Howe's going now, I think it uh, it really showed there they were you know maximizing their their performance and obviously the car you know it's it's down on power and down on technology to to rally two cars um okay the the average speed with it being twisty might have been a bit, bit lower, but at the end of the day the you know the the power still still less so yeah. I think the times had to come from somewhere, yeah. and yeah, it was no. That's uh, I suppose it's unfortunate that they retired on on the the first day and had the super rally, but um, yeah, it didn't didn't hold them back no, whenever no, they came like, out. You know, it didn't take away from the result. You know, the two things, the, the two words that stand out to me from that was talent and trust. You know, the trust in them yeah. two guys that had in the you know in their own ability of the the team that they are and in the car. And then the talent, you know, just shone through. Like, that's yeah. the cream of European talent. And, you know, this guy yeah. was probably, what, 100 brake horsepower less? Uh, <laughs> you know, not even half the suspension travel, one thing or another. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. Brilliant to see. Really well. Yeah, I think, as well, uh, we always chat about the guys going to junior WRC and, and coming back home. Like, we... Had Lexa Fisher and Cronin who who did events in WRC and then came back home and you know set set the bar and obviously Divine, he came back in twenty nineteen. You know you could tell he had picked up a lot from from his world experience now with with Will Crichton and and John who are sort of doing the same. Will Will was at the races in West Cork, so yeah, it's brilliant. So there. Their next event is Croatia in a couple of weeks' time. I'm sure we'll have some sort of preview for that. Um, and as well, Circuit of Ireland is um, next weekend. So mm-hmm. I imagine we'll have a preview on that next week. And there could be some interesting news along with the news that um, Declan is finally going to the, the polo, which he, he mentioned in his chat earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see how Declan adapts to the polo as well, isn't it? It really is, you know. So that's definitely something to look forward to. And, you know, you're kind of alluding to there, there's, how do we put it, strong rumours <laughs> circulating <laughs> that there could be another top driver uh, going to the, the polo as well before the circuit. So yeah, I space. think <laughs> uh, Derek McGarry as well is in a polo. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, for the circuit. It's, mm-hmm. And Brendan Kamalski is there. And you obviously have Fisher and, mm-hmm. and Evans. It's it's crazy. <laughs> the amount that's sitting in Ireland. It's mm-hmm. like the, what were the, the country for world rally cars, were the country for polos that are now out of production. <laughs> so <laughs> that's your fascination. <laughs> and like, you know, and the car to beat has is the Hyundai. And that's not pretty yeah. popular, so go, go figure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, more about the circuit next week. But until then, take care, speak soon, and bye.